Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wayne County Chambers podcast for the record. We want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Sport Durst of Goldsboro, Goldsboro Builder Supply, and Professional Data Management. The Sport Durst team is ready to get you into a beautiful new Volkswagen, offering open and honest pricing on every vehicle and service. Sport Durst of Goldsboro understands the value of your time and dollars. Providing quality building materials since 1953, Goldsboro Builder Supply is your premier destination for custom designs and excellent service to builders and contractors in Wayne County and surrounding areas. Professional data management offers specialized service and technologies designed to help you gain maximum reimbursements for the valuable services that your office provides. Another huge thank you to our in-kind sponsors, Daniels Furniture, University Lights of Goldsboro, and Johnson Carpet One, who together worked hard to make our beautiful podcast set what you see today. And for the record, we're glad you're here. All right. Well, here we are with the Teals. Famous. <laughs> I mean, world yeah. Uh, famous. Yeah. Tell us okay. who you are. Tell us just, let's start there. Names. Where'd you come from? Just some personal, little personal intel. Sure. Well, I'm here with my beautiful bride of a couple of years, uh, Luke Teal. Um, uh, Meg and I, uh, Meg uh, here, are both from Newburyport, Massachusetts, born and raised. Um, I'd say the first in both of our families to um, reach escape velocity from small town in Newburyport, Mass, just north of Boston, right on the seacoast. Um, all of our families, as we've said a couple of times, uh, we can go all the way back to great-grandparents on both sides of our family are all from the same hometown. And we have not gone past the, the great grandparents because you never know when those family trees could cross <laughs> at some point. Um, but we uh, um, we're originally yeah born and raised uh, together, uh, if you will, um, a year a year apart. We graduated a year apart from high school. Um, uh, I kind of always had a thing knowing I want to fly jets and serve. And Air Force Academy was something I learned about early on, and and. Uh, um, and it worked out. I worked hard and it worked out. And uh, Meg and I, had, we had different roots. And I'll let her obviously talk about her her side too. But we, um, at the end of the Air Force Academy, we kind of had a, a chance encounter and a rejoin. And that worked out really well for me. Um, and I went back to Boston uh, for after the Academy for a couple of years for grad school. Um, we hit it off and uh, we got married between my two years in Boston and uh, lived in South Boston for our first year. And then we've been off to the races ever since. And I don't know how much, uh, how deep into it you want to go, but uh, I'll turn it over to you. A little bit of our story. Sure. Um, what Luke isn't telling you is we actually met in kindergarten. Oh. <laughs> and yeah. we were th friends throughout childhood. We were from a small, small city, like he said, in Massachusetts. But he likes to say I failed the sandbox because I graduated <laughs> said it, not me. a year behind him <laughs> in school because Massachusetts at the time had a readiness year and I was incredibly shy. So he moved on to first grade and I did the in-between kindergarten first grade year, which did wonders for my personality, as you can see. Yeah. But um it really you jumped him. Oh know, big he, time. Oh say. yeah. Uh-huh. But a question I get a lot, and I think probably a lot of military spouses, Air Force spouses get, is did you know what you were getting into mm. uh, when you married your spouse? Now, I was 
21 when I got engaged. My Air Force life at that time consisted of living in Southie, which is a part of Boston. Uh, a lot of Irish Catholics, so I felt right at home. And <laughs> Luke um, was in graduate school. So no, I absolutely did not know what I was getting into when we uh, made it official. But um, it's been unbelievable, incredible journey. But yeah, we're 22 years strong now. Wow. Um, and we actually are, the anniversary of our engagement was yesterday. I knew that. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so good. Can you, I want to hear this story. Oh, oh no. How did this happen? So like oh, I said, he was a year ahead All of right. me in school. Okay. So we All did right. a, uh, about four or five months long distance yeah. while he was in Boston and I was in uh, uh, school in Washington, D.C. And uh, he came to pick me up from school for the holiday break and drove my parents' uh, minivan down to pick me up. And we did a stopover in New York City and he had it all planned. But like all great plans, as we know, there were a few kinks in the plan because I was totally clueless. So he had everything time scheduled and it Military took- Military precision. <laughs> yeah. And it took us a little bit longer to make that trip to New York City. So he had to go to plan B and I think plan C yeah. to make that happen. Mm -hmm. But- I'll never forget, we were in a carriage ride in Central Park and he had the ring and he started to get on one knee and in true, you know, Air Force fashion, he said, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be great. And so true to that, you know, 22 years later, it's not yeah. been easy, but it's been great. Central Park. We're all choked up here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. First time I, I was right. <laughs> like that was, I think we were spot on with that. Yes. But, um, but it's been a ride. Wow. Yes. And uh, four kids. We have four, four girls. Yeah. Four so maybe girl. continuing the story and what brought us here, I guess. Uh, um, so um, it went to, uh, so I got what I would wanted to do and uh, like small delay in grad school, went to pilot training and we lived our first real assignment in Texas um, in a pilot training, U UPT, undergraduate pilot training uh, at Shepard Air Force Base, Texas. And we already had some friends that we already knew from the, uh, I knew from the academy and we had actually known in our wedding in the same class with us. And man, what an awesome introduction to the Air Force family. Um, the Air Force does a good job. The military does a good job of putting people in stressful environments, uh, the pressure cooker, if you will. Um, and we got to do it with a lot of young families, newly married couples. And so it, that, that shared bond of a, of a, of a high stress environment, um, but having close friendships, it just brings people together close. And we're continuing to be close to, to this very day with a lot of people we went through. And it was a great introduction with some even leaders that we had in pilot training, commanders and mentors and others, uh, and outside of pilot training, thinking, you know, navigators and others that, that were really just showed us what it was to have a real family in the Air Force. It's not just a job. It, it, it really became, it's like a lifestyle, right? And uh, from there, um, uh, got the F-15E, uh, first choice uh, of an assignment, which was fantastic, and, uh, and came out here and stayed here for a while. So came to Seymour Johnson, went through, uh, you know, the, what we call the B course, the FTU, the, you know, where you learn to, you get your wings, but you don't know what to do with them. You can't do much with them. And then they put you through and, and make you a, a full up, you know, air crew mission member and stayed here. 
for a first assignment, which was extended for a while, actually, at the time, people weren't getting what we call ops to ops to other assignments. And and I got to extend, which I was really fortunate with, the combat deployment and other things, and went to weapon school out of there. And then uh, while we were here, we had uh, the first two of our four girls, um, Maggie and Kilty, and then went off to weapon school. I went to weapon school uh, for a bit, and then we went off to England for a couple of years. We had our little Brit, uh, uh, Quinn, uh, who was uh, a third of our four girls there. And then off to, uh, after a couple of years there, more combat deployments, all those things. We went, um, did some staff work in, in school in the D.C. area up in the Pentagon and then Quantico, Virginia with the Marines. Uh, and then was fortunate enough to get called back uh, to come back and, and do uh, a leadership tour with both the director of operations and commander of a fighter squadron here at Seymour Johnson, our second assignment where we had uh, uh, girl number four uh, here. So three of our four girls were born here in Goldsboro. Um, from there back to DC and, and more school and staff and then um, out to Idaho uh, as a deputy commander of the fighter wing out there, 366 fighter wing. Um, and then back here where we've been for the last, I don't know how long, but approaching two years. Um, and so, you know, to tie it back to the local community here who actually, you know, we want to talk about um, this is our home away from home, you know? So we're both from the same hometown, and but so if there's is any that, one place, And is, is that it. what you call home? Like is, I guess Boston would, or. It's Newburyport, small yeah, town. Newburyport, right. but 35 yeah. miles North of Boston, but. That's really home. That's right. home, home. And then. Yep. Cause I, I don't know how you define home yeah. in the air force and in, in a position like you all's. Right. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. right. how, how do you define home? How have you, how have you worked that out in your. Well, it's funny. There's a little sign that a lot of people carry with them in the air force homes that says home is where the air force sends you. Cause you need to make home wherever that is. Um, for us, we've been fortunate enough. And I mean, all told it'll be about 10 years. We've got to be here, not consecutively, of course, but throughout our adult life. So the most we've ever called home is this place here. So for us, Goldsboro is home. But it's funny. He's he. I'm going to fill in the blanks of what he's not telling you. Okay, hit me. And not supposed to be this honest, you know. <laughs> so my Air Force experience when he was in grad school was just so uh, tepid, low because um, we were just newly married, newlyweds in the city. I had come from the city as a college student. So I was a city girl and we took the, the long road to Texas. And I, I don't think I have to say much more. I mean, talk about shock and awe when we pulled into Wichita Falls, Texas and his, for his pilot training course, I cried like a baby rolling into there. Cause I was thinking, where have you taken me? And I, I was ready to get back in that car and drive on back to Boston. Yeah. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, when that course was through, I cried like a baby having to leave because we had built that home with our people, you know? And I think a lot of um, Air Force families, spouses will relate to that where you just dive in, create community, bond with people so fast, they become like family and you cry when you leave a place. And sometimes these places aren't great. So it's like you, the people are what make it so awesome. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, um, and no disrespect to any other, you know, branch or service, but the experience that I've had with um, 
the Air Force and leaders in the Air Force, there's something different. There's a there's a different quality around character and family and um, I don't know education. I'm not sure how to put a put a finger on it. You know, Bryce Silver um, was one of my uh, first introductions to human. you know to uh, an Air Force leader, yep. and it, you know him well. You know him better than I know him. I mean, that you know, a family like that, and you're like, oh my gosh. I mean, these people are. It's the it's like the best of all of it. Like they clearly high capacity people. Right, you know, all of you guys, very high capacity leaders, high capacity families, but there's not an arrogance about it. There's a, I don't know, it's just a different quality. How, explain that to me. Well, I, you know, present company excluded, I'd say um, there are amazing, amazing humans, people. Um, I say, you know, officer, enlisted, civilian, uh, just amazing people we work with every day. You know. Um, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, there's something to it. it. It's a culture. And if the, anything we talk about in, in our wing, when I'm talking about building leaders and I won't go into all of our priorities, but anything, it is culture. And um, and it starts with just some some great, great, great individuals, all of whom have their own stories. People, different people join the Air Forces for different reasons. And, you know, I said this and it, it, I, I heard this. It's not an original thought, but from other senior leaders uh, before me, but uh, people join for some things. I joined because I thought flying jets was cool. And I, and I had a sense of patriotism and I thought serving my country would be cool too. Um, and flying jets still, by the way, is cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I like a lot of cool. work and all that gonna... too, but I stay <laughs> in because of the people, because of the amazing, amazing individuals you get to work with every day. And I'm still blown away by people uh, and their families and, you know, how it is a family thing and, 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 you know, and it's different age and, and we have different challenges and all that, sure. but you know, that there's something right there. And, and I wouldn't say it's just the air force. I went to school with Marines. I think yeah. I mentioned before we started here and, and great friends actually from every service, Navy, Army. Uh, so we, we have friends uh, from ex our experiences across the board. And I wouldn't say maybe exposed to the air force, but I, th yeah. I, I agree. I think there's amazing, people I've met. And and that's just been the coolest part. And that's what keeps us in sure. is, is just the people part. And the resilience of the families. Like, and I think it's maybe probably comes from what you just mentioned, having to go to these unfamiliar places and having to just figure it out every new place, every new town, every new stop. And, um, but, <clears throat> but it's obvious. I mean, you can, it's something you can, that's identifiable and unique, I think, and it's a good. I, I see it as a very positive thing, not just for the country, but but for the communities everywhere you go. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's very well, beneficial. Hey, let me put. Yes, um, I'll also say it's it's also we're all human, and it's not always easy. Sure. You know, it's uh, we're, we're all very human, and it's not always you know and. Relationships are strained, you know, people are strained, you know, um, and uh, uh, and so, you know, one thing, again, non-original thought, but I've heard people say, you know, when at, at some point, uh, either you'll be done with the Air Force, or the Air Force will be done with you. Uh, make sure that, that the people that you're with are next to you when you leave. And, and you know, like anything, um, the, the, the moves, the, the, um, the deployments, TDYs, it can be a strain on people too. Um, but, uh, 
but that is something that, you know, we, we talk about and emphasize a lot. You know, when you, when you talk about families and, and supporting Ameren and families, a explicit priority in the, in the wing, trying to build that culture in, yeah. making sure that we're all balancing, um, at every level too. Cause you know, it's, uh, we're all human. And, and while it might seem like, yeah, we can make community everywhere we go and we do, we often make it happen. It's, it's hard. It's hard work. Well, culture trumps everything they say. Yep. And, uh, it makes that uniform, I think, mean something. And, and, um, I think you feel it everywhere you go, um, you know, and, and run into you all. So I think it's, I think it's successful, even if it's not perfect, it's successful. So that's a good thing. So Goldsboro, uh, you talked about, you know, it's been a meaningful place for you. What's, your, what's been some highlights, your favorite parts? Well, uh, sorry, I'll start first, and, and I might even step on your toes a little bit here. Um, same same answer. It's the people, right? I mean, it's uh, um, while the actually the city and, and the town and the county, having been here a few times and, you know, approaching 20 years, frankly, have seen a lot of changes for the good you know, the downtown, the, you know, the Berkeley and all of the things. Um, it's just the people, uh, like, like anything, you know, we've, we've got friends from our first assignment, uh, that we were here, neighbors from our first assignment, uh, some of whom we work very closely with right now, uh, you know, in my current job that we've known for years and, um, and they're just good people. It is such a, a great and supportive community. You know, uh, people we've gone to church with continue to go to church with, we've known for years you know, pastors baptize our children, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, and, and, and that's it. It's just such an awesome and, um, welcoming community, even by the line of questioning, you know, just the people appreciate, um, you know, airmen, they, they can empathize. Uh, we talk about quick, quick bonds and forging those bonds fast. Cause you know, you sometimes have a limited time together. Um, very rarely have we ever met folks that are standoffish and don't want to um, and we have in other places, it's some people are like, uh, you seem good, but I, I don't want to say goodbye to you in a year. Right. That's not, that hasn't been the case here. And just a welcoming community in every, in every sense. Um, yeah. Cool. Totally. Yeah. I mean, hands down the most welcoming military community in that we've known. Uh, we're obviously biased because we've spent so much time here, but we are grateful for that. And we consider ourselves blessed to be able to, call friends here that are permanent here for 20 years friends. I mean, that's almost unheard of for an Air Force family to be able to say, wow, we've known them so long because um, typically you're only at a place a couple years, two or three years and then move on. But for us, it's been um, just this journey that keeps bringing us back here. And for whatever reason, uh, it's only it's only and kind of enhanced our experience, our Air Force experience to have that continuity for our kids too. I mean, um, they love hearing about where we bought our first house and where we brought them home from the hospital and the fact that we have been able to see them in this community several times as they've grown up uh, has been, Wonderful to think there's people here in Goldsboro that knew us in our early 20s, saw as our kids have grown, and now, you know, our oldest is 17. Um, it's just, uh, we are just so grateful. It's a blessing. Sport 
Durst Volkswagen Mazda of Goldsboro is proud to support Wayne County Chamber of Commerce. Family owned and operated, Sport Durst knows the importance of keeping local money local and supporting the community. We put our customers first with the area's best pricing, best trade-in value, and best selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. Come experience the Sport Durst difference where customers and community come first. Yeah, so long, long run, long ride, I'm sure. But how, how does one become a colonel? Well, you got to be in a while uh, to start with. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of different paths uh, to be a, a, a colonel. You know, it's it's one of the more senior ranks. Um, but like anything, you just you, you start at the ground level. And um, I what think is that, ground level? I mean, I guess... Uh, if you if you're an officer, doesn't it? It starts after college, and do you start what at lieutenant or how does that work? Yep, that's right. So uh, formally, as far as the, the the grade structure as we call it, uh, uh, once you become an officer, and there's different ways to become an officer. I went to the Air Force Academy, which I, I did not 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 to make it about me, but I didn't come from a very um, a, a deep military experience family. You know, I didn't have a, a dad and, and so on and so forth. Um, I just heard, well, you want to fly jets? You know, that's a way to go. And that was the way I, I kind of pursued. But you can go to college, uh, ROTC. Um, you can go to college. Uh, you have to have a degree. That is a prerequisite among some others. Um, uh, you can go to what's called OTS, Officer Training School, and you can be enlisted and then go through, get your degree and become a, you know, OTS. And there's other different routes for like medical officers, direct whatever. But the standard flow is you you get in the ground level, which is as a second lieutenant, the O one as you call it, and um, and for me actually I was um, as was mentioned I kind of did did that time um, in a unique thing being able to go to grad school for a couple of years, which was uh, really interesting, eye opening, aperture expanding pretty early on, non standard, uh, and then on I'll call it kind of we call it pipeline in the rated career field or in the call it pilot uh, air crew career field. So, um, but every career field is a little different, you know, but you'll have your own sort of path within that career field that will include, um, functional expertise, getting good at doing something, uh, and, and, and leading, you know, at the shop level and doing other things. And then you get flight command and more, uh, more leadership as you, as you move, move up. And like a lot of things, it's kind of up and out, uh, I, I think like a lot of us, I, I didn't come in to the air force ever thinking, man, I just want to be a colonel. No, I came in, as I said, I want to fly jets and serve and, you know, and you, like I said before, the reason you stay in is sometimes a little different than the reason you come in. And, uh, and I really love the leadership part of, uh, of command in particular, but you lead it at all different levels. And, uh, like anything at a certain point, it's a pyramid. There's just, sometimes you look around and there's a few of you, fewer of your peers around than you. And, and, you know, you end up in those higher echelon ranks. Um, but you do that by, you, you move up typically by doing okay at, at certain levels and there's on ramps and there's, there's off ramps too. And a lot of it is personal choice. You know, uh, I know a lot of equally or much more capable officers than me that for personal or family reasons and the balance of life and all that, they, they find an off ramp earlier. Um, and you know, we just found it, it still works for us. You know, um, like I said, it's not always easy. And, um, and we, and we enjoy what we're doing. We're having fun. And um, and so we're still in, you know. Well, and we made jokes about you being old, but the truth is to be at the level you are, you seem young to me. 
I mean, you guys seem like you're in the thick of it, like in the middle of your prime. And so it seems like, I mean, with that said, that there's a future for growth even. Is that something that you feel or is that, what are you, do you have an, is that? Oh, no, we've, we've had a lot of conversations of what's next and yeah. I'll let, you know, make, make and talk to that too. Um, we really are. And I think mo I give this advice to a lot of people, have an eye on what could be, but really take everything one step at a time yeah, sure. because, you know, life can hit you in the face as it is for us personally and, and, and professionally in other ways, life's going to hit you at some point. Yeah. But uh, one step at a time. We'll see what's next. Yeah. Um, we, we're enjoying it right now. We're having, we're looking at what, uh, you know, um, what the immediate future could be and, you know, maybe some deployments and other things uh, in the future. And then a lot of it kind of comes to, you know, where, how's the family? Again, you, you, yeah. I, I can't go without her and the whole family by my side. You know, you get those out of whack and, you know, it just doesn't work out. So right. um, we'll see. But, yeah. but enjoying it right now. How do you feel about all that? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, probably in recent years, we've had more of that conversation since, you know, uh, a lot of our kind of our age group or peers have have taken that off ramp and are doing other things. So we've had the conversation for sure. But Luke's always said, and I I tend to agree, um, considering family first, we always try to. Um, but if we're still enjoying what we're doing, there are just way too many positives for our family, um, to step away from that. Um, and we've kind of thought until someone's saying, you know, get out of here, time to go, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll serve and, and, and do our best, uh, as long as we can. So. Yeah. Hmm. That's amazing. I, I mean, cause I think, I think a lot of folks that, those points in their career outside of military face similar, not the same. It's, it's, it's a different structure and a different track. And, and, but I think around this season of life, it's a little bit like, which way do we go here? You know, I can either, I can either stay here and then I'm a lifer or I'm a, if I, if I exit, you know, I, am I, am I having to reinvent myself? Am I, I don't know. You know, it's like that. I, I think that there are many families that have to navigate that career, high achieving careers and, tr- and, and working through what next steps are when you start getting into rare air, right? Because the steps become a little bit more elite and, and an elite sounds cool to, you know, the world and maybe even to you personally, but then you have to measure it against so many other contextual yep. demands. Yep. No, I, I mean, uh, Scott, you're, you're bringing up conversations. I feel like, uh, you know, we talk about not, not about, we talk about us, of course, but, but I talk about with officers every day. Um, Cause you know, amongst peers, we always say we're, we are at that time of life where, um, you know, kids are getting older, parents are aging, you know, and you know, what, what could it be on the outside? And, and, you know, part of that is I don't know what I want to do when I grow up yet. That's part of my, yeah. uh, you know, my, my calculus personally, our calculus, but, but you're right. Uh, and, and actually add in, this is actually something, you know, we talk a lot about, but is different today when we talk about today's air force in a good way, 
but also with challenges is we have people actually heterogeneous, different family dynamics, um, a lot more spouses that are professionals, a lot more spouses that do um, equally amazing work. And now how do you balance two careers and kids and, sure. you know, moves and, you know, schools and, and, and all, and all of the things. And that's a challenge. It's absolutely a challenge. And it's a, you know, how do we retain talent? And I think you give a, you know, a value proposition. You show that, give them something that's meaningful that they feel like they can move the ball forward and, and be, be valued for what they do and, and they're doing valuable things uh, and they can bring their family along with them as much as they can. Nothing's ever perfect. You know, that's uh. but you're right. What you're describing is, is a conversation I have every day. Well, and on the spousal employment side, you know, I think about this a lot, you know, the challenge, the tension, I guess, is uh, employers may not always be receptive to what they perceive to be short-term employees. Is that, is that fair? Is that, is that the biggest challenge or what do you see as the biggest challenge to a spouse being able to have um, whatever optimum career they want at any given time? You know, what are the, what are the, what are the obstacles as you see it? Sure. Um, Yes, the answer is yes. It's a challenge. I mean, no no Air Force spouse, military spouse is going to sit there and say their career ambitions have been a straight path. There's usually bumps in the road, hurdles to go over. Um, you're talking to a teacher and a school counselor, so uh, state licensure and moving as much as we do is a huge hurdle. One in recent years, they've really tried to improve for spouses, but. Um, I think explain that issue right quick if you don't mind because sure. there'll be people who are listening to this who don't understand okay, what that, that issue. Means. So what does it mean when you say So being of a profession that requires a license and at the state level for a military spouse who may only live in a state two, maybe three years at a time, it makes being able to pursue that career somewhat challenging because you're needing to get licensed in whatever state you teach, practice. So you can you can think of a, any number of jobs where you would need a state license to actually uh, uh, work. Um, in recent years, at the federal level even, they've tried to help military spouses knowing that this was such a huge hurdle. And quite frankly, that's such a hurdle in families that we talked about families, you know, taking the off ramp away from the Air Force, away from military life. It is because to get to give spouses more stability uh, and employment and career. So, I mean, at least when we talk to our friends, that seems to be one of the reasons to 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 take the exit ramp. But uh, for me personally. Um, I happen to choose careers where, you know, that that's how I'm able to work is with state, state licensure. So um, I've had several challenging assignments for sure to be able to work. Um, uh, it's not easy at all. And I think I, we keep saying that, I think over and over again today, but the truth is people are aware of some of these hurdles and are trying to make them better. Um, for, I'm thinking of my, school counseling, you can now, there are certain states that it's easily transferable. 
Um, so I'm able to work in certain states a lot easier. We love that across the board. And I think that's what they're moving towards. Um, but I mean, we talked about spouse employment, which is huge. Uh, and like you said, the Air Force wasn't what the Air Force was even 20 years ago, or you may have had more spouses uh, at home or not uh, working full time or uh, whatever it may be. So they, I do believe we're headed in that direction with the understanding that, hey, essentially this is a transient lifestyle and to make it more acceptable for families to stay in, we need to to, to improve our laws to help those families. So, If I may just sure. hit on that too, because it, as you know, Scott, you've been to a lot of events and, and discussions with me. And this is one of the things I and we and our fourth fighter wing, the leadership, Seymour Johnson leadership has been going after because this is a readiness issue. Um, retention is a readiness issue Huge. and people, you know, we, we recruit airmen, but we retain families, um, usually around the dinner table. And, um, and I can think of many, 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 we can think of many people who have had challenges that, uh, transferring licenses over. Um, and, and what the, the way it works now is, you know, in today's environment, today's economy, um, What's good for our military families in general, and there's other things, quality of life we can talk to, you know, more is, is good for the community. We're talking about bringing teachers in, uh, dentists in, um, uh, uh, social workers, occupational therapists. Um, these are ones, these are these are names and faces I can right. think of off the top of my head right now that the community can use, um, but they really need to be licensed and, and know that they have that transferability of their license coming in because they don't want to wait six months to a year to get a job. And, uh, and so one thing we've been working with the state a, a lot on and, and state leadership and the and North Carolina MAC and the NCCC, North Carolina, North Carolina Commanders Council, et cetera, and we're getting uh, progress with this, is, is really highlighting that. Um, there is federal reg, uh, legislation, the, service, the Civil Service Members Relief Act, which directs states to be able to, to, to say you must use another state's, for most, not all, most licenses, you must use and, and honor other um, states licenses for most occupations. Um, but, but, uh, assuming that they're in good standing and things of that sort, but it still requires the state bureaucracy, which is not singularized. It's like every bureaucracy. They're still very stovepiped, um, to make it easy, uh, for service members, spouses to be able to call up and say, Hey, I'm a service member spouse and have the, the process, give them priority to actually process their paperwork and get them so that they can, have that worked out and they can get a job when they show up and they don't have to do it three, six months, nine months or a year into an assignment. And that is a retention tool. Um, and, and uh, likewise, that can be an off ramp and, sure. and I've seen both. Uh, yeah. So, anyway. No, I, I hear you. And I know that a lot of work has been done on that and, and I'm sure a lot of work will continue to be done, but, um, I think it's important for people to realize that that challenge it's hard and, that, all, that these challenges that um, it's not just to do this nice thing for spouses. Hey, we ought to figure out ways to, you know, clear the brush to, you know, clear the runway to make it as easy as possible. People need to understand it as a threat to the mission. It is a threat to what you do because it's a threat to your families. And anything that is an obstacle to your families becomes an obstacle to your jobs, becomes an obstacle to the mission. 
Um, and I, I just, you know, I think that when people in the community start to hear it in those ways, they start to hear it a little differently because they don't think they, you know, it's like childcare. We talk about childcare all the time and people, when they think about childcare, they think about it like a social issue. And I'm like, no, no, it is, a, it is a, it's an economic threat. And in Wayne County and at Seymour Johnson, it's a threat to the it's mission. It's a readiness threat. It's both. Come right. on, you know, you, uh, so Anyway, I, I, I thank you for sharing that because I think it and, and clarifying kind of that the the, the problem mm-hmm. specifically even in your own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, as we as we think about you know I guess there are the local challenges which are things like spousal employment, but so maybe answer this in the micro sense, but also in the macro sense. Mm-hmm. The world is crazy right now. I mean, like never in my lifetime. I was born in 1980. So, you know, is that? A minute or two ago. <laughs> That's right. I'm a, I might have a little, little bit older. of time on you, but not I'm that a little much. bit older, okay. you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I've never experienced this. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced what I feel like I'm experiencing right now, both in terms of the country itself our, our own country internally and certainly externally. You know, forever we were, there was no question in my life about where we stood, you know, in the order of things. And while that's still likely true, there's a lot less uh, fear, it seems, in challenging. Anyway, I don't want to answer it for you. It just seems like there's a lot of upheaval. There's a lot of what feels like disorder, what feels like um, animosity and division. And what do you see? Like, what worries you? What are, what, what concerns you? Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I get maybe a micro answer and a, and a macro, but it, I, I couldn't agree more uh, on, on the macro sense. What, um, uh, and, and well, again, I think you probably heard me say this before maybe why you teed up the question, but I, I think, uh, and I've said to Airman, and, I, and I've heard it said too, that we're in the most dangerous times in my career. If you look at just the strategic forces uh, and, the, and the challenges that we're seeing as a country, Pacific, you know, the country is, and our national security strategy, defense strategy is, is focusing on China, um, Russia, of course, um, uh, truly um, challenging the world order that has been set since World War II in new ways. <clears throat> and you add in now social media and and disinformation and, and all kinds of things. Um, I still think at the, you know, what 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 makes us strong in, uh, as, a, as a society, um, you know, we, we mentioned actually beforehand, before we started rolling the tapes about, you know, support for the military and, and, and things of that sort. But the, the divisions in society, I think, is one of the, the biggest challenges I see uh, right now just our ability to get normal things done, uh, both at the government level and that trickles down all the way, you know, just a social media inspired fueled. Um, uh, I think that th- that does, I think the, you look at the fabric of our country, you know, and, and we talk about, and you, obviously you were around, you can remember nine 11 and, and what, not just how terrible nine 11 was, but how clarifying nine 12 was and, and the unity that we had and the, sense of purpose and mission. And, you know, we're all on the same page. We're all in the same boat. Don't feel that today. So I, you know, to keep it at the strategic level, I think those are 
or the big level though that does you know uh, worry me certainly um can i speak right because i sure i might can say a thing that you are i, I don't i would encourage please don't say anything <laughs> about this part <laughs> let me say it uh Continuing resolutions yeah. are a result of years of uh, what seems like partisan divide, where our the United States Congress and our administrations, and these are this is a bipartisan problem that is year after year after year cannot pass a budget because of this problem that we're talking about right now which leads to these continuing resolutions to fund the government. With the threat, it seems like every year or every other year that we're going to shut the government down if it doesn't occur. Or there's just this back and forth and this football that keeps occurring. Well, people may not understand or know this, but it costs the Air Force $12 billion a month every time they do these continuing resolutions. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, that's $144 billion a year. I'd like to spend that. I'd rather, I mean, if we're going to spend the money, I'd rather spend the money on the force. I'd rather spend the money on the thing, you know, not the lack of, anyway, I just, oh, I get frustrated, man. That that thing frustrates me so bad. So I know yeah, it's got to frustrate you guys. No, but, I, it, it does. And, you know, I yeah. think I'm pretty solid ground um, being apolitical here to say that yeah, that that that's not good for our Air Force, the the CRs, and you know I I can't speak exactly to the numbers um, per se, but obviously the you know what I have learned is the higher up you get, the more you pay attention to money uh, because it it is what drives a lot of what we do. You know you can't and um, uh, and I think the um, the continual start stop start stop it, it affects everyone. The the shutdowns, the the near shutdowns uh, has a human toll. Uh, when we keep coming up to the brink of a shutdown and I got to talk to our civilians and I got to tell people, you might not get paid next month. You know, that, that wears on you after a while. That's at the human level. That's, that's, you know, I see that, but, but certainly at the programmatic level and trying to run a business, it's no way to do it. Um, and I've heard our senior leaders say that as much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it just, so just as it turns out, the business you run is defending the United States of America. This is not, I mean, I mean, I love the businesses I've been a part of, but they weren't that important comparatively. So when, you know, when these challenges arise in your business, they affect all of our families, you know? And so it's not, this is not a small problem that we're talking about. And the 10-year version of us and the five-year version, five-year and 10-year version of us, if this continues and, you know, if it's perpetual, the outcome seems a little more dire yep. because I don't, I don't know how you stay competitive in, yep. in any branch for that matter. And then, you, or you're having to choose branch to branch, even just on the defense spending side. Yep. And obviously you, you've been uh, up to DC, so you've gotten to see a little bit of a peak behind the curtain, but it's, it's true. Uh, and, our, and people that are listening, uh, our senior leaders have, have been saying this for years and years and years to, you know, Congress and others, you know, and it's not just, as you mentioned, it's all, all branches, all, all, uh, you know, parties and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, and, and, and in the dangerous environment we're in, our force structure isn't, isn't as big. We don't have, as you mentioned, some of the technological edges we had 30 years ago after Gulf, after Gulf War. Um, and and you pair that with a strategic environment, uh, it is, it's, 
it's a tough problem to be in. And, and, you know, the, some of the, some of the division we mentioned has, has real implications. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's crazy. I, I remember, um, one of the events I went to on base was a B course graduation. I believe it was. And there was a speaker there. Uh, his son was graduating, I think. Yep. Do you remember who it was? I, yes. I, I, yep. I can't remember the fellow's Brent. name. Uh, his, his call sign's grip. Yeah. Okay. He, he was a, used to be a, an 06 and flew in the strike Eagles years ago. Yeah. He, outstanding communicator. Yep. But he was talking about um, the challenges, you know, peer adversary stuff, stuff that's over my head, you know, like words I don't get. But, <laughs> big uh, words. Yeah, big words, <laughs> <laughs> like peer and adversary. And, uh, <laughs> but he, he said something that stuck with me. He said, you know, our definite advantage doesn't maybe exist the same way it once did. Now our advantage is you. Mm-hmm. And he was mm-hmm. talking to the pilots. And I was like, oh, that's that's strong. And so <laughs> the people are the separator. 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. Talk about that a second, if you don't mind. Because oh, I, I think go- this is a family... This is a family conversation. When you talk about readiness and you talk about mission support, this is not just about the training that happens inside. It is literally about the person. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, I couldn't agree more. Um, That's why we say, you know, uh, of our priorities, it's, you know, improve combat readiness, support airmen and families, and build leaders. And none of them are, um, can't do one without the other. You, you don't support your airmen and their families. Um, your readiness falls out. You don't build leaders. You can't do any of it, especially in this environment, in the complex, dangerous environment we're in right now. If you think about peer adversaries and and I, and I could talk about if you want, but agile combat employment and trying to be more agile and move around because we're going to get shot at and we got to be able to still deliver that air power. Um, but it's all a human element. It's all a human dimension. None of the none of the kit means anything without the people working it, buying it, maintaining it, um, fueling it, uh, um, thinking about what's two, three, four steps down, moving it, all of that. And, and they're very hard things. We ask people to do really hard things. Um, and, and they're all messy people. They're all humans. So they all have their own you know issues. So that's why we get to build leaders that can build that culture. It's all humans. It's all people. Uh, it, you, you, uh, you got to focus on, on, I won't say people first because, because in the end, the mission is the mission, yeah. but you can't do one without the other. It's the old chicken or egg. And, uh, and in particular, I especially talk to our NCOs and our enlisted, um, our non-NCOs, non-commissioned officers. That has been and is, they are our, uh, our critical advantage. That is, that is a differentiator. Um, if you look at Russia, and why they have failed in a lot of ways is because they got a lot of conscripts, lieutenants, and colonels. And they don't have people that will see a problem and, and fix a problem and pull people along with them, you know, and mission type orders. There's a lot we could go into it with it, but uh, all that to say, I agree with you, Scott, completely. Yeah, well, I, I, and it, I, I wish it dawned on all of us that fact. I mean, because... You know, and I think that leads to what is maybe our final question, which is, as a community, you know, how do we, how are, how do we position ourselves to serve the mission and the families better? Yeah, I may start on that, and then 
maybe hand it off to Meg for um, for some awesome, I'm sure, final thoughts. But uh, and that is a good transition because you know, thank you for connecting the the people side of this to the readiness to the strategic side because it it does all matter. Um, <clears throat> uh, so quality of life issues. It's not just quality of life, like, you know, just to, to make you happy, you know, like, uh, that, this makes me happy today. These are, the, we have, we have hard, meaningful challenges that are, first of all, not unique or specific to Goldsboro, Wayne County, North Carolina. They're across most military communities, many, if not most military communities and, uh, uh, out there. Um, uh, and I know you've heard me talk about them. I mentioned spouse licensure, which became, it's kind of number four, but it's childcare, it's housing, and it is uh, schools. And um, childcare, because it is a different force today than it was years ago. And this isn't something I necessarily need. Um, well, we've done amazing work in the fourth fighter wing over the last 18 months, expanding childcare opportunities off base, and on base, uh, and off base, bringing programs in uh, to North Carolina that's actually going to increase the availability of child care providers, I think, to not just airmen, but to others off base uh, through some certification like uh, processes and things of that sort. Um, but that's a readiness issue. Um, but really, housing and schools are too. And I'll focus on schools in particular right now because um, spouse licensures being, being one, uh, really the the, the people as they get older, the thing that's going to keep people in uh, or out or want to come to a community or not want to come to a community is going to be the schools. And I say we owe it to our airmen uh, to give them the opportunity for a good education for their kids. And you don't get in the military for, you don't come in the military for money. We do fine, but you're never going to get rich. Uh, and especially those NCOs, the ones I just brought up, those NCOs, junior officers, who are busting their tail, who are deploying, uh, going TDY, all of the exercises you've seen, um, and often maybe dual military or dual working spouses, now trying to juggle family dynamics and all of the things. If they don't have a place where they know that their kids can have a, a good opportunity to go to school, um, they're not going to want to come here or they're not going to stay in. So schools is a challenge nationwide. And I know in Wayne County, we've, we've talked extensively about this, and there's a lot of um, uh, a lot of goodness we've done. We've opened the school on base, which has been fantastic, but you can't put up a, a mission accomplished banner on that. Um, there are resource challenges. Um, our schools are old. I believe in the broken window theory, you know, of, uh, uh, of that, but we also have teachers. It's hard to keep teachers here. We have busing shortages. So, so resources is a, a factor and that's, you know, and there's a lot of different, um, entities at the, you know, the, certainly the county, but the state and, and others that, that I think need to get after that from a resourcing side. And then there's just the, um, um, the other things that I know that the, and I've talked a lot to the superintendent is working on just to, to offer a good classroom environment, make sure there's enough counselors, things of that sort, but any effort, uh, any help with improving our schools, uh, is, is important. I think from just how can how can the community and the government community community at, at large help uh, that that is one as important and this gets to all all of the people in the community as important is just building those bonds and that those connections with our airmen uh, having been here three times uh, and having this be our, our home away from home uh, what made it special for us is is that 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 bond that connection that uh, you know, we we work together, we play together, we worship together, you know, and just having those connections, and they can be small, 
and this will all hand it off to Meg too, because I know she is, um, we, we talked about it a little bit on the way here, amazing, um, bonds with the community, but just go out and make some connections. You stole all my lines. No, I didn't. Every single one. He must know you well. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, Scott, you talked about the last question about what worries you. And I was talking to Luke about like, as a mom, it's like, what doesn't worry me? You know, like there just seems to be always something. Um, So I don't think I'm unique in that way. Um, But from an Air Force side and living on base, uh, I mean, I don't think a day goes by where we don't think of our airmen, uh, the ones living on base, um, our single airmen that, you know, this is their first assignment, you know, their first time away from home for a lot of them. Um, So I think for us, it's always been about building community from, you know, first assignment, you know, single airmen to the families living on base to the families all around the county uh, that serve in the military. So um, there can be touch points throughout that um, that are, can be critical and strategic. I mean, we just had our cookie drive, which you all helped me out with. Um, we with got ch- a hall filled with cookies, by the way. Still? Still. So the Chamber of Commerce is a huge partner for us in that. Um, all, the, all the local support of that. I mean, that's been going on for as long as I've been around and so, you know, 20 plus years uh, doing that and the local community for our airmen uh, at the holiday season. But um, I guess my point is those are practical, um, manageable, but practical uh, ways of helping airmen and serving airmen. And I think a takeaway when we did that recently was um, one of the airmen saying, man, I was having a really kind of not so great day. And then I arrive at my dorm and there's that gift sitting on the doorstep. And I think I can speak for a lot of spouses and military families uh, that have gone through lots of deployments and a lot of time away from their spouse, uh, whether it's TDY or a deployment. And those little small connection points or touch points that may not, you may not think are a big deal, but to a military spouse who's lonely, to a military kid who hasn't seen a parent in months, um, to a young airman who's first time away from home, those even just small moments of connection can be a difference maker, not just in their day, but their their time serving here. So I wanna thank the community for all their support. That, that's just one instance of many where um, they've helped serve us as, you know, uh, the active duty are doing their job and doing it well and, um, you know, getting the job done in a lot of ways. So, Well, it means the world to us what you do and your entire force and the families uh, that make up your entire force. Uh, you're the best we got and, and anything we can do, we want to try to do. And I, I think, you know, I just will speak on behalf of this community. I think it's, They've, they've made that clear over the years, but uh, even today, and I know we've got some challenging times ahead probably, uh, we just want to thank you for your service and thank you for those long runs and those those overcoming those obstacles and tracks and navigating it together and, and even being here today and speaking, you know, candidly about those things. I think it's beneficial. And so thank you for your time and we appreciate you. Of course. Thanks, Scott. And if Thanks, I could just Scott. say... Uh, Finally, um, 
If I didn't say it before, I try to say it at every opportunity because I mean it. Um, we've been to a number of communities and um, despite challenges, the, you know, schools, there's no easy button with that. There's, you know, we're making progress. But at the human level, there is not a more supportive family or supportive community uh, than Goldsboro, Wayne County, uh, uh, of any in the Air Force. I would put up uh, our, our folks against uh, any others out there because of those connections, because of that family. And then we know from personal experience, we hear it and see it every day. So thank you, Scott. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks.